Well, we're continuing our series study of the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians chapter 5. So go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Many of you know we have entitled the sermon series, Ripe. And the reason for that uh, entitlement is uh, because of the definition and what it means. Of course, the definitions of ripe, we gave this in the introduction of the series. Uh, the, the definitions mean fully grown and developed. Uh, a secondary definition is advanced to the point of being in the best condition for use. And then a third is maturity in knowledge and judgment. That would also include discernment. And what's interesting about that is I believe that that's God's goal for our lives is for us to become ripened as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're on our third uh, spirit fruit, and that being peace, if you haven't picked up on that through the music this morning. Now, now when you think of peace, it's something that people in our world long for and desperately seek. Something that is on the lips of most all world leaders it is a topic of conversation on all news outlets. It is something that every family desires, every heart desires. It's something that should define every follower of Jesus Christ. So, so look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 22. Let's look at it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. No, no, when you look at this, you, you, you probably look at the list. I don't know about you, but I've always thought of the list as just a continuance of nine specific things that need to identify us as Christians. But when you look closely at the list, you see that the first three are very important. First of all, I believe love is the context of the list. It's the environment of the list. I mean, I mean you don't have the rest of the list unless love is there. And then last, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at joy, and I believe joy is the attitude of the list, while today, peace is really the foundation of the list. And then the rest of the list, the other six, I believe, are the outflow once those three are clearly in place. Now, while looking at Galatians chapter 5, we find that our life is moving in one of two directions. It's either moving in the direction of war or it's moving in the direction of peace. Now think of that. The context of your life, everything about your life, which way is it moving? Is it moving towards war or moving towards this thing that we call peace? Look at Galatians chapter 5 again. Look at verse 16. Look at how Paul kind of introduces the whole thought of the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at this some weeks ago. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust, it wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They're, they're running in opposite directions so that you, not, you did not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. He's saying there's a higher calling, and we'll talk more about that later. And then he says in verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. And then he gives us this long, exhaustive list. Now, really, when you look at your life, this morning, if I were to say, the inner part of who you are, is it well? Is it well? Or is there a war? Is there turmoil going on? Or is there really peace there? 
I think that, that, that when David asked the question just a moment ago, go, uh, is it well with your soul? It, when you think about it, when you really get your mind around it, look deep within yourselves. Is it really there? Is that peace really there? Or is there something going on in your soul this morning? Look at the introduction on your outline. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the word for peace is shalom. It carries the, the meaning of completeness, soundness, the well-being of the total person. It also carries the meaning of contentment and the absence of war. It was considered God-given, obtained by keeping the law. And, and so if, if, if someone were to ask you, is there peace within you, the implication there from the Old Testament would be, are you well with God? Are you keeping his law? Are you keeping his commandments? While in the New Testament, the word for peace is the word Irene. The combination here is the combination of hope, trust, and quietness of mind and heart brought about from the very presence of God. And that's more of what you're looking there in the New Testament. Now, peace, look on your outline, is the realization that God works through the disparities and contradictions of your existence and brings them into harmony. It's really another way of looking at what we've been asking this morning is this. Is your life full of harmony right now? I think some of you probably say, no, I don't think so. Well, most of us probably say there's something out there that's not bringing contentment. It's not bringing harmony. You see, the focus of peace, and this is interesting. The focus of peace is not the absence of problems, but the presence of God. Have you really ever had a time in your life where you didn't have problems that you, weren't dealing, that you were dealing with? I mean, we all, they're, they come in all shapes and sizes. How many of you have thought, uh, looking over your life, you thought if you could get to a certain point in your life, that things would get so much easier? I mean, that the problems would not be as much. And what do you find out about the next season of life? It has its own unique problems, <laughs> It has its own selective problems. And, and, and therefore, as we move through this life, there's never really a time where there's not the problem. So to really to have peace, it's not, it's not basically looked at whether there's a problem there or not. It's really the presence of God in your life. However, just like love, people look for peace in all the wrong places. Do you realize that people look for peace in a bottle, in a pill, in a place, while others in unhealthy relationships. And the question is this, where do you look for peace? Where, 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 when, you, when you look for it, where do you go? Now, if I were to ask you, what is peace to you? Many of you would say something like this, and, and I had the privilege to be there last week, and, and for me, it is a very peaceful place, is the beach. Now, some of you are like, how is the beach peaceful? There's so many people. Well, there was a lot of people, I will give you that. But, but again, it's that whole idea of getting away, something that's familiar, something that, that, that is peaceful. Some of you would say the mountains represents peace to you. A deer stand, a golf course, enjoying a bacon double cheeseburger, <laughs> or possibly going somewhere very quiet and reading a great novel. We all have our ideas of where peace can, can, can be found. But many times you'll hear mothers say, can I get a moment of peace and quiet around here? You ever heard a, young, a mother of children say something like that? Have you ever said it yourself? How about fathers who come home looking for a haven from the outside world? The teenager looks for peace, retreating to their rooms with the TV on, the radio blaring, the phone at their ear, holding a book, doing their homework at the same time, and they would say that's peace. 
got all kinds of versions of it. But this morning, I want to prove to you that you can have peace in any place with anybody through any circumstance. So look on your outline. First of all, we have peace with God. Peace is one of the constant themes in Scripture. I mean, everywhere you look, you find this whole idea of peace, this, the desire of peace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, probably one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible, it begins this way. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You finish it. Through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what's interesting about this peace with God, look on your outline. You cannot generate peace. You can't generate it. Uh, the night before the cross, you remember us talking about this a couple weeks ago? How joy seemed to be the theme of, of Jesus' conversation with his disciples the last night he was with them. And he was sitting there and he was talking with them and, and he's talking about joy. The theme of joy came up over and over again more than any other time that we read about in Jesus' ministry. But guess what? The other word that was used that night, it was peace. The constant theme of the conversation the night before his, that would begin the trials and the crucifixion and all the things that would follow, the two words were joy and peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. When he says not as the world gives, it implies a different kind of peace. Think about that. The peace that the world offers is not lasting there's something that always comes with it. There's something that must be added to it. But when we're talking about the peace of God, there's something else entirely. You see, the closing of his prayer for us in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. As much as I like to go to the beach and hang out there and, and find peace there, that's not lasting peace. According to God's word, the peace will come within Jesus. It says, in the world you will have trouble. Now, here's three promises in this one verse. First of all, he says that in me you may have peace. That's a promise. And then he says, in the world you will have trouble. What's the opposite of peace? Trouble. That's another promise that's coming. And then here's the third promise. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Everything that it throws at you, everything that tries to steal your peace, that tries to steal your joy, I've overcome every bit of that. And there's three promises there. First of all, that you can have his peace. There will be trouble that will come your way, but be a good cheer. He's overcome it, and therefore you can be an overcomer. This verse implies that true peace cannot be manufactured within the human heart. I mean, we left in and of ourselves, we don't, stand, we don't have hope when it comes to peace. It cannot be generated. You see, the world cannot bring peace. It, it can't generate it. It can't create it. How, how many of you have ever literally prayed for, the, for peace in the Middle East? You ever, you ever prayed for peace in the Middle East? Oh, yeah. Uh, every generation has prayed for peace in the Middle East. Guess what? It's never happened. Based on the authority of God's word, it will never happen until what? Until Jesus comes back. And so if we're up here and we're praying for peace to be generated within ourselves, it, it, it's, it's something that we're no different than us praying for the Middle East because the Bible says peace will never come to the Middle East until Jesus comes back. 
And it's just like us praying for it ourselves. There's a comparison there. There will never be peace within ourselves. Anything that we can create, anything that the world can create, nothing that a president can create or world leaders can create, it can't happen. It only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we pray for the peace of the Middle East, or really what was called the peace of Jerusalem, do you know what we're praying for? For Jesus to come back. For the presence of Jesus to, to infiltrate that place. Just like we're praying, hopefully, for the same to take place in our own hearts. Peace only comes from the presence of Jesus. So while you and I cannot generate or create peace, look on your outline, God can give peace. God can give peace. Now, now I want you to think about your relationship. First of all, look on your outline. God can give peace. We can go from enemy to friend. Think about that. Before you came to Christ, we've said that many times from this pulpit. Before you came to Christ, you were an enemy of God. As a result of what Christ did on your behalf, you became a friend. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, the Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell, everything, the completeness, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, speaking of us as individuals, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. He's brought you into a proper relationship with himself. He's brought you from enemy to friend. The Bible goes on and says in verse 22, in the body of his flesh, of Jesus' flesh, through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight. Now think about that. He did all that for your benefit. You couldn't generate it. You couldn't do it on your own. He did it on your behalf. So we can't create it. And by the way, when he gives us his peace, we go from enemy to friend. But secondly, we go from sinner to saint. Sinner to saint. Now think of this. His grace through his finished work. What's his finished work? His death on the cross, his resurrection. Okay. So his grace plus my faith. That's me receiving that finished work. Me, me uh, uh, owning up to that finished work equals peace. So it's his grace, my faith, equals true peace. Faith and grace always come before peace. Peace is the result of a right relationship between you and the Lord. Peace with God only comes by way of Jesus Christ. And y'all, that's the salvation that we should preach. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look here on the screen, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Let's break down the first part of that. Now may the God of peace and then what's the next word? Himself. You know what that implies? His presence. His literal presence. So, so, so may the God of peace himself, his presence, sanctify you completely. When it says sanctify you completely, it means give you what is truly lacking, not what you think is truly lacking. There is a big difference in the two. A lot of us think if we had certain things in our lives, they would bring peace. I've often thought that. I remember when we had very little. I used to think a couple more hundred dollars would bring a little more peace. How many of you have ever been there? I thought that if I could just get my kids to do this or do that, and then there would be a little bit more peace. If, if my wife would just straighten up, there would be a little more peace. That's <laughs> well, really the other way around, or at least that's her side of the story. 
but, but we think it will come in that form or whatever. And so we think, we set the standard. We say, okay, if this would happen, this would bring peace. Do you know that there's one who knows us better than we know ourselves? Do you know that he's the one that knows what is truly lacking in our lives? And he's the one that can fill it. And then it says this, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. He's equating peace with the presence of God in your life and the reality of it all. So first of all, we have peace with God. And now we're going to go to the peace of God. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And while you're there, listen to the verse here on the screen. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Again, where, where does this whole idea of peace come from? It comes through Christ Jesus. Every time you see the word, he's there. Okay. Now, the peace of God not only saves, but it also is a resource for daily living. Daily living is a resource. Now, look on your outline real quick. Again, look at the introduction again. Right there, that, that one sentence. Peace is the realization that God works through the disparities and contradictions of your, exist, of your experience and brings them into harmony. Now, he not only did that for you at salvation to bring you in a proper relationship with Jesus Christ, but guess what? He, gives you, he has the potential to give you that peace to get through day-to-day -day things in your life. I want to show you all the things that we see there. If you were to rename Romans chapter 8 or name Romans chapter 8, it would be something along the lines of these are the benefits of God's peace in your life. I want you to look with me carefully here. Look at Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in who? Christ Jesus. Uh, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And by the way, you can put right at the end of that, and all that equates to peace. Go down a little bit further, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit are the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Those things lead to death. But to be spiritually minded is life. And in most translations it says, and peace. Life and peace. Listen, you, the end result of operating in the flesh based on the authority of what we're reading here, the, the end authority of operating in the flesh will never lead you to peace. That's what this is saying. It leads you to destruction. It leads you to death. That means this. It never brings about what you desire it to bring about. It, it, it ends not with life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's working against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot, what? Please God. And by the way, if you're not pleasing God, you don't have peace. You have no peace. If your life is not pleasing God. Skip down to verse 15. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption of whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba. You know what that is? It's one of the closest terms of endearment that you could put in the Greek language. And it literally means the whole idea, the way we would use it in our culture, Daddy. 
It's a term of endearment. It's a term that speaks of the closeness of the relationship that we can have with God. And right here, you're seeing this. And by the way, this is all brings peace to our lives. Look at verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For us to truly know what that verse means, means that we know peace. That we know peace and we know where it comes from. Look at verse 28. This is familiar. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. When you, when you look at that verse and you claim that verse as a part of your life, no matter what you're dealing with in your life, guess what? The end result will be peace when you come to this proper understanding of what God is doing in your life. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Does that not bring peace to your heart? I, I mean, the fact that nothing can come against you. You keep going down, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? All these things represent war. All these things re represent enmity. But guess what? It goes on and says, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's, it's a whole implication of peace here. For I'm persu persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor debt, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in, again, who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. So how do we equate peace? Where does it originate from? Where does it come from? How, how is it produced? Through the presence of Christ in a person's life. That's the only place it can come from. And so we see Romans 8 is really all talk about peace. So, so look on your outline. The peace of God is, number one, an incredible peace. It's an incredible peace. It is interesting to note, listen, that the opposite of peace, another thing, not only is war the opposite of peace, but here's one. Worry is the opposite of peace. Again, when you sing that song, it is well with my soul. When you start talking about peace like a river, when you start looking at peace and all the pictures that we have in Scripture, guess what? Peace and worry can't coexist. And, and I hate to tell you this, but if you brought all your fears and your worries in here this morning and they're plaguing and dominating your life and your heart and your mind, let me just tell you this. Things are not well with your soul. They're not. Because those are working opposite of one another. The Bible says, here it is again, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When it says surpasses all understanding, here, here's, here's another way of looking at it. It surpasses all other perspectives. All other perspectives. How many of you have ever gone through life only to realize your perspective about something was totally wrong? Your perspective of another person, your perspective of the situation, your perspective of what you thought you were looking at was totally wrong. That's the implication that seems to be in this verse. He's saying, and the peace of God, which surpasses all other perspectives, you can have them listed there. You can have all these different perspectives, but the perspective of God sits alone at the top, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What is the perspective of God? That the presence of God be in your life. That those things that are, I think are working against me are really working for me. 
That's what that perspective looks like. It's the Romans 8 perspective. Worry, listen, occurs when the mind and heart are moving in different directions. So look on your outline. Worry, worry pulls apart. The word literally, literally means that if you do a word study. Worry pulls apart, but peace puts together. It puts together. Notice that the text speaks of the mind. Speaks of the mind. Again, it's a whole idea of perspective. Did you know that the same thing can happen to me as happen to the next person and the perspective be totally different between me and that person? Let's just suppose that, that Bob is over here and I'm here and something tragic happens in our lives. And, and it's the same thing. Maybe the loss of someone very dear to us. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just, fear plagues my soul and I'm sitting there and I'm torn apart and I mean, I'm just, I can't get, I can't, I just cannot get the right perspective. I, it's all about me. It's all about what am I missing and, and all this. But I look over here at Bob and Bob is sitting through it thinking, you know, this is, God must have a purpose. There's something that must really be going on here that I don't quite, but, but I'm just going to trust him. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace that is above every perspective. But yet so many times, how do we respond? You see, peace occurs when the mind and the heart are on the same page and can be realized no matter what is happening around us. Let me give you an example. Same example, myself and Bob. We've gone through the exact same storm. How many of you know anything about hurricanes? You know anything about hurricanes? I, we actually, living on the coast, in, in my upbringing, I actually lived through one going right over with the eye and everything. You know, you have the calm, and then you had the backside, the storm, and all that. I've lived through that twice. I mean, don't want to do that again. That's, that's not fun. But did you know that when a hurricane is out over open water, there's some pretty amazing things that are going on? That out there, that hurricane in open water, that... that you see the storm? I mean, you, you hear the pilots flying over it, looking down on it, seeing it from that perspective. And, and then you have the people who possibly, suppose, you, bless your heart, you're a boat caught up in the storm, you're on top of the waters. I mean, can you imagine what that perspective must look like? But did you know that if you go down deep enough, they say as much as 25 feet, that the oceans are as calm as if there were no hurricane above the water there? I'm talking about a Category 3. I'm talking about one with 110 miles sustained winds with gusts up to 140 miles per hour. 25 feet below the surface. It's just as calm and peaceful. Just 25 feet below. Does that not just blow your mind to think about? Did you know that the same, that is a beautiful perspective and picture of what, it can, what can go on in a, in a, in a person who's, who's leaning on the presence of God in their life and they're, they're, they're realizing that their perspective must be a biblical perspective and when they begin to live out that perspective with, with their heart and their mind, they begin to see things from the view of 25 feet below while God may have the airplane view looking down on it, knowing exactly what's going on. But you know where our perspective many times goes in this scenario? Right there on top of the world, we feel like we're that boat being tossed all kinds of ways. Fear, worry, I mean, anything worse that could be imagined is imagined. And, and that's where most of us spend our lives, living right there. When I believe we're called to live a deeper, have a deeper walk with him. 
So we see an incredible peace. Next, the peace of God is an, invinci- is an invincible peace. The Bible says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So how does this happen? First of all, look on your outline. There's a ruling heart, a ruling heart. Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, that's a very interesting word. The word rule there literally means to act like an umpire. And so what you have there is you got a, uh, something, someone, uh, you ever been to a ball game where the umpire's calling balls and strikes, who's safe and who's out? The, really, the same thing can happen in our own lives. Of course, we're relying on the Holy Spirit to do that, but with that comes this whole idea of peace. Because many times I believe the Holy Spirit uses peace to rule our hearts. How many of you ever said something like this? I just don't have a peace about that. that that's, a very, very, that's a good perspective. Here's what that literally means. I don't feel that that is right. I don't sense that that is right. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't have a peace about this. And by the way, that's something real. That's the terminology of someone who is living the biblical principles of Scripture. You see, the saddest person I know is the person who knows the truth, yet does not practice it, and therefore does not experience the truth, and thereby senses no peace in their life. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever gone through an entire season of your life with no peace? No peace. And you look back on those days and think, man, that was a hard time. I I talked to someone not long ago, and and they were telling me their story. And I asked them, I said, well, tell me a little bit about who you are. Tell me your story. I didn't really know the person. And and, and they were basically talking about how uh, when they were in their early 20s, they got through their college years. They had moments of rebellion back there, but in their 20s, uh, early 20s, they really turned, God really turned their life around. Gave their heart to Jesus Christ. I mean, things started, I mean, just, they just felt joy that was unspeakable. They had peace in their heart. And then three years later, well, during that three years, he, this person developed a relationship with someone. And this person uh, had an affair. And three years into that, I mean, I think he's 27 at the time. He said, you know, ever since then, this person's in their early 40s now. And ever since then, I've never been the same. I I don't remember having the joy since back then. I don't have the peace that I had back then. Everything's up in turmoil. Can you imagine living a whole, almost two decades of your life like that? Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been doing that. You know what that joy can be like. You know what that peace can be like. You know that your life can be lived in the context of love and not a context of unforgiveness and a context of bitterness and and all those things. But but you see, what we do is we yield to those things. That's where the war comes from. That's where the fear comes from. That's where the worry comes from. And we're consumed by all that because we allowed this thing to come into our lives. We didn't see it with the, the perspective of biblical perspective of God's presence in your life. Instead, we're living over here, and it's at war with, God, what, with what God really wants for us. We've got to be careful with that. You see, we not only need to have a ruling heart, we need to have a staying mind. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, this is a cool verse. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, God. The mind that's focused 
The word stayed there carries the idea of placing upon, resting upon, choosing to keep your mind focused on the Lord. And as a result, the Bible says peace will be the result. You know what? I'm, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I'll sit there and look at the news outlets. How many of you get caught up in news outlets? Start watching what everybody's saying about everything. MSNBC, Fox, CNN, local news. We start getting there and we get all that. And what are we doing? We're filling our lives with perspective. That's what we're doing. We're getting all that perspective. We're getting on the internet. If we can't get enough there, we'll get it over here. And then all of a sudden we say, you know, I need, I'm a Christian. I need to have a biblical perspective. And so what do we do? We, we get our devotional book out and we get our chapter we need to read for that day. And we, we give God about 20 minutes. But we might give Fox and the others four to five hours a day. You see, how are we going ha- to have peace? How are we going to... I mean, I think we need to be informed. I think we need to be citizens who, who are informed. But listen, we can be so informed. This is what I've noticed about me in this world, that we become cynical, that there's no joy in our lives, that, that we get to the point where there's no peace because we're starting to fear everyone else's perspective when we need to be drawing from the perspective of God's word, which says this, that there will always be tribulation among you. There will always be trials. Why are we surprised when we read that there are? or see that there are, or live out that there are. He says they're going to be there, but guess what? You can have peace in the midst of it. And by the way, I'm coming back, and I'm going to fix it all. But so many times, our minds are not stayed there. They're stayed on these other issues. And I'm just as guilty as anyone. But that's not a perspective that God desires for us. It's, it's a heart that, think about it, it's a ruling heart. It's a staying mind. Next, lastly, the peace of God is an available peace. The Bible says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. And here it is right here. Every time we see all this idea about peace, where is it coming from? Through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Why do you not have peace right now? I've given you all these ideas of where it may be coming from. Why do you not have it right now? Do you realize that the peace of God has been offered to you right here in this verse. For some of you, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you have a problem, and your problem is that you are still, listen, according to what God says, God's word says, you're still at war with God. The Bible says you're still an enemy of God, and you may take offense to that sitting there right now, but that's how the Bible describes you if you don't know Jesus Christ. But, but here's, the, here's what we need to understand. We have a problem. We're separated from God. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The wages of those sins. For all have sinned. That's our problem. There, but then there's our need. There's a salvation that comes about. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, what did he do? He died for us. You see, that's where that peace can come from. It is available to all of us. Who? How? Through Jesus Christ. How do we get there? By admitting our need. By repenting of our sin, turning from our sin and turning to him and placing our faith in him. Next, we not only have peace with God, peace of God, but we can have peace for God. Someone has rightly said, all desire peace, but few desire those things which make for peace. That's so true, isn't it? Even in our own hearts. 
Bible says in Romans chapter 14, look here on the screen. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So here's a question for you this morning. Do you, do you enjoy kicking up strife? You ever been around people that it seems like everywhere they go there's drama? I mean, drama here, drama here. And, 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 and I mean, it surrounds them. Sometimes if drama's all around, you may be the instigator of it all. I mean, and you got to realize that. Do, or, or do you bring peace to people? You see, the Bible says, look on your outline, we are to be peacemakers. Jesus said this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They are those that, that will be like me. The scripture in this context uh, is, is speaking of relationships. And, and, and what's interesting, we are to be peacemakers. Look on your outline to our church. We need to be peacemakers in the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said, for God is not the author, he's not the creator of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want to close with these thoughts here. 1 Timothy chapter 2. So, so we're not only to be peacemakers, I'm sorry, I skipped one, to our families. We're also to be peacemakers to our church. And then thirdly, we need to be peacemakers to our nation. And, and let me show you what I'm talking about. Paul is writing this to Timothy. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at what he says in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to truth to the knowledge of the truth. Now let me ask you this. Does this mean we never raise up truth? No, we must raise up truth. But the thing we need to understand is that we're called to raise it up. It is God who changes the heart. It's just like presidents, whether it's the current one or the ones in the past. The thing that we've been called to do is to pray, to make intercession, to, to do those things. And, and, I mean, it's easy to criticize. It, it's easy to do those things. Well, this is how I would do it, and I can't believe they're doing it this way. And Congress, I don't know what they're thinking. And, and by the way, we've all had those thoughts, correct? But we can't just leave it out there hanging like that. We are called to pray for those who are in authority over us. You see, when it says this, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, make every effort to live in peace with all men. It's literally the idea of pursue peace with all people. The word pursue, listen to this, carries the idea of having a plan and following it intentionally. Some, however, we just react to things. This past weekend, we had gone and uh, rented some kayaks and we were out there on the ocean and and um, it, it, I just love doing that. So we get out there and we're doing our thing. Of course, it's always fun to get tipped over. But anyway, that's a different story. But anyway, we're out there and we start noticing that there are jellyfish everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. We didn't realize it until we got out there in it. And so I was out there and I, I just kind of stopped and I was just kind of looking at the jellyfish. And, kinda, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, this is more like how people live their lives. And, and do you realize that a jellyfish has no direction to their life? They just sit out there and just kind of... 
They do. I was watching him. And they just, wherever the tide leads them, they will follow. And, and, then I, and, and then, you know, observing that, you understand why so many wash ashore. There's no direction. There's no pursuance. There's no intentionality to their life. They're not headed anywhere. They're, they're just floating along. And that's how many people live their lives. Christians live their lives. But we've, been, we've not been called to live that way. We've been called to live with purpose. We've been called to live intention, with intentionality. And all of that, listen, this word pursue, that's what that word's talking about. We are pursue. We are to have a plan. We are to go out and intentionally live peaceably. We're being called to be as peacemakers. So here's the application. Where do you look for peace? Where do you look for it? Hopefully not in the bottle. Hopefully not in a change of location, even though sometimes that, that can be nice. But here's what you need to understand. It can only come from the presence of God in your life. It's not going to come from a news outlet. It comes from him. Are you experiencing peace? Look on your outline. True peace can only come from being right with God, with others, and literally with oneself. Now, how many of you remember the story? The disciples are on the stormy sea. Jesus is asleep in the boat. You remember the story? I love the story. I mean, these are fishermen. These guys know what they're dealing with. They, they, they've been fishermen all their life, and they're, they're terrified, the Bible says. And, and they're wondering, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. They started looking at everything that was surrounding them. and I mean, it was big time. And guess who's in the bottom of the boat? The prince of peace is in the bottom of the boat. And they go down and they basically accuse Jesus. Do you not care that we may die? How can you sleep in the middle of something like this? But guess who he is? He's the prince of peace. And so you know what Jesus does? He gets up. He walks to the bow of the boat. I'm sure he's looking around saying, thought I taught y'all something. But anyway, he says, peace, be still. And what happened? Everything just calmed. There's some of you who walked in here this morning and you're just like those disciples out there on the boat. And you're frantic, you're worried, you're consumed. Fear out of nowhere is, is plaguing your life. Sometimes you don't, you don't even, you're so caught up in it, you don't even know where it's coming from. You just live in a state of anxiety. And, and, and you know what you really need? You just need to get down to the bottom of the boat. You need to get down where, where he is where his presence is. Let him call the shots. Let him come to the front of your life and say, peace be still. And you just enjoy the ride. That's what he's offering. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Guess what? Day, a year later after that scene, he's going to face the most trying things a person could ever face. And guess what? The night before he does it, the theme of the conversation is joy and peace. He not only stated it, he lived it. And you know why? Because he is the Prince of Peace and he wants to bring it to your life. Would you stand to your feet, please? Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we're looking at these different spiritual fruit, we see so many things. We see love and we, we know that we've been called to live out our lives in the context of love. That let it be the environment in which we relate to others. But, Father, we've also been called to live in the attitude of joy. And, Father, I thank you for those who demonstrate that. Some who've been through some very trying times in their life. To, who, who, it's not, 
the, the conditions and circumstances of their life are not based on happiness or based on joy which comes from you. But Father, I thank you for those who have a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that surpasses all other perspectives, that Lord, we can have peace because we enjoy the presence of who you are. Father, for those that are here today, maybe there's someone here today, they've never experienced true peace in their life. They've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. They've never called on you to come into their life. Father, I pray that they'll leave their sin, they'll leave the perspective in which they're living their life and turn to you today. Father, I pray for the Christian that may be here this morning. And Lord, I know there's times in my life where I'm there. I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm Whatever word you want to give it. Sometimes there's fear that plagues my life. Sometimes I'm living with open anxiety. Father, help me to realize that you are the Prince of Peace, your son. And he called himself that. And, and Lord, you want to speak that into our lives. But Lord, help us to realize it only comes through your presence. And Father, I just pray that you'll give us that. Father, as we have this hymn of invitation, draw those that need to be drawn. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Getting ready to sing.